Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Now I'm fully aware that everything today is about Silicon Valley Bank. Makes perfect sense that a bank collapse the size of this, the magnitude of this, would capture all the headlines as it did when it took place on Friday and throughout the weekend. And you've got the Federal Reserve and the federal government saying we're going to back them up and make sure their depositors are made whole. There's a whole conversation about that. Um, There is no knowing how this market is going to go. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. And while you don't come to me for your financial advice, and and I want to argue you don't come to me for your financial advice, I do want to be the guy who says, take a breath before making major life decisions based on a bank in California that maybe until Friday you didn't even know existed. It will not do you any good to freak. It will not do you any good to lose your mind. It will not do you any good to look at the market and say, my gosh, what's this going to mean for my 401k today? What about my investments here? Nobody knows. I saw today's market. I don't even know where it is right now. I won't look. I won't look right now. Uh, I saw it down. And then I saw it like up, what was it? Up, up 200 at one point. And you're like, what? I, I don't know. Because people don't know how they're going to react to this stuff. Are they reacting to the fact that the bank had such mismanagement and such horror with the regulators, which is what we're going to get into in my conversation with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Both parts coming up. It's it, it, We go really in-depth, and then we hit that emotional part of it about the idea of bailouts. So is the market reacting to what happened with the bank, what happened with the regulators, or is the market reacting to the federal government saying, yeah, no problem. We'll bail that out. We'll bail the other thing out. Doesn't matter what you do uh, there on Wall Street. We got you covered. Doesn't matter what you do, bankers. Anything you guys do is totally fine. Uh, but if if somebody else doesn't properly categorize a trade or doesn't properly report a stock trade, we're going to take their house from them. Right? What happens to you and me, very different what happens to the guys on Wall Street, which is why I always discuss that Wall Street is completely disconnected from Midwest Main Street. It's why we discuss it like this, because what happens there is not necessarily what's happening in real life. And we should be focused on the real life. I do think that this whole thing matters. I think what happened with the bank and how the federal government is reacting all matters to us. What I am only discussing as an argument is there is no need to panic. Now, Maybe a need for panic will come, <laughs> right? Like, like there are things that can happen where all of us will be like, wow, that was interesting. Wow, that was interesting. Holy crap, we're all going to die. And then, you know, you, you, you set out the, the alarms and everything is just absolutely insane all the time. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm. Like that kind of crazy. Right? It could get to that kind of, of absolute crazy. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. But it's not there right now. And people have a tendency to, to jump, to try and instill the fear. There's just no point. But if you want to talk about anger, 
well, some people getting a bailout that you don't think should get a bailout is going to produce a lot of anger. On that, we're shoulder to shoulder. Don't let your anger be something that drives how you work economically. Don't do it. It's a, it's, it's a foolhardy thing to do. That is the top subject of the day. But as we've been uh, dis- discussing all day, man, I am so loving this woke pushback. I am so loving people recognize that this DEI is outright bigotry. And if you missed any part of my discussion of that, the podcast will be up. And so you can get the Tony Katz Today podcast wherever you get your podcast and, and, and have access to it. And, of course, everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com, TonyKatz.Locals.com. And there's going to be more about that coming up in the days ahead. But let's break down this Silicon Valley Bank conversation. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, taking the time to go really in-depth about what happened here. That is coming to you up next. This is Tony Katz today. So the markets are going to do what they're going to do in the wake of what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. And of course, what happened is, well, regulators asleep at the switch or is what happened the proof of recession and everything's about to go to hell and we're going to see another bank fail and another bank fail and there have been other bank failures, including this group Signature Bank which is out of New York, who had uh, uh, Barney Frank on their board of directors. Yes, Dodd-Frank, that Barney Frank, former congressman of Massachusetts, Barney Frank, was on their board of directors, and they have now been shut down. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. Now this, with when it comes to Signature Bank, they were a huge lender in the world of crypto. Silicon Valley Bank may have been taking crypto as collateral. And that's an issue. I had the chance to speak with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, who I find to be an outrageously forthright guy on these subjects. What is it that we're dealing with? What is it we're seeing? And when you see people go about blaming Trump, the the entire leftist establishment, well, you see, Trump deregulated this. Trump did that. Is that the argument? Because we've seen so many times and in so many ways, they move to that. They move to just the nonstop attack vehicle. They don't actually engage what it is that took place. We need to engage what it is that took place. So I was able to get with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. We really focused on Silicon Valley Bank because, of course, that's the big one, the big story, the big news. And I just laid out the question. Talk to me about what what caused this bank to have this this capital crunch, this cash crunch, and then to have to have its trading halted by the by the exchange. Well, Tony, let me step back and say people have to look at two things. Silver Val- Silicon Valley Bank is one and another one called Silvergate Capital. These things go hand in hand. Silvergate Capital had a tragic that happened tragedy that happened recently. And Silicon Valley Bank is the one that happened just now. The cause is very simple. I've been talking about this since last year, Tony. I'm frustrated that that people aren't listening. The cause is simply government regulation and the attachment to crypto. We're talking about both. 
but government regulation is the primary problem here, Tony, And because banks have two kinds of risk. There's two kinds of risk. It's very simple. Interest rate risk and credit risk. And we're going to talk about both of those, Tony. People don't realize that's all there is to it. In fact, I could teach an entire course on this. I do teach an entire course on this, but we're going to cover it here just in a few minutes, Tony. And I don't know, you want to start with the interest rate risk or credit risk? It's your call. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, which, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, well, that, that's a different story, but uh, the answer is the chicken. So uh, let's start with the interest rate risk, because, Tony, that's what's happening here. Regulators are idiots. There's this thing called duration. Duration is how – I won't get into the details of it, but it's kind of like how long an, a, a loan lasts, how long a liability lasts. These must match. Your asset duration must match your liability duration. And, Tony, here's what it is in a very simple phrase. Long-term assets of the bank, long-term assets, we're making 4% return. Their short-term liabilities, Tony, cost in about 4.5%. Tony, that's against the law. Some regulator wasn't doing their job. You can't have a long-term investment making 4%, and you're paying for it with a short-term 4.5%. That's not possible, Tony. You're losing half a percent. And when interest rates go up in the short term, which they've been doing, that makes the loss even worse. And they're not allowed to do it, Tony. Regulators are supposed to catch this. They're supposed to catch interest rate risk daily. It's monitored daily. It's reported to the government daily. And someone was asleep at the switch. And I don't think it's an isolated case, Tony. I think it's systemic. And that's what has people uh, very, very afraid. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. So which part was that one? You you had said two things. I want to make sure everybody is clear on which part that was. That's the interest rate risk, Tony. When you're making 4% on your investments and you're paying 4.5%, that's interest rate risk. And now the other side of this, the the egg part, was? The credit risk, Tony. People have to pay back their loans. So when you go to uh, Silicon Valley Bank and you borrow money, you have to put up collateral. You have to put up real assets. This company called Silvergate Capital, they were also having to put up assets when you borrow money. Tony, you and I go into a, to borrow money. We have to have collateral. If you don't pay back your car loan, they take your car. Right. That's a real asset. Banks have been loaning money on crypto. Tony, borrowers own crypto. This is not an asset. It's, it's, it's something that's like, for example, there's this company called uh, Circle USD Coin. It's a stable coin. It's worth 87 cents on the dollar. That's collateral, Tony. So can I use the analogy of gambling? Because that's what it is. Now, sure. don't get me wrong. I'm not against crypto. Crypto is gambling. People can do it. No problem. But it shouldn't be in banks. And banks should, accept it as, should not accept it as collateral. So picture this, Tony. What if you go into a bank and you say, I want a loan? And they say, well, we need some collateral. What assets do you have? And you say, you know what? I made, a, I made a bet on FanDuel for next week's football game. Will you take my bet slip as collateral? <laughs> Tony, that's what these banks are doing. So and now – I know it sounds funny, Tony, but that's actually what they did. And that bank slip can go – you know, th- that bet slip, you bet 200 bucks, it can go up to 400 or down to zero. The difference is with crypto, 
It could double or it could go to zero, too, but it's going to take a longer period of time. It's the same thing. So now you've got this investment side and you have this, 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 this credit side, right? You have, you have the issue they had with their investments and the issue you had with the collateral they took. Let's go back to this investment side because this gets very, very confusing. The bank holds the money. The bank is making interest on the money. Money is coming in, coming out based on the company what investments are you referring to that the bank was making that didn't allow them to make money on the money they were taking in and had to pay out more? The investment of a bank is a loan. That's how they make their money. They, make, they give you a loan. They make money off that loan. But where do they get their money to loan to you? They get that from depositors. And right now, their investments which are loans to you. I know it sounds confusing, Tony. My students don't even understand this sometimes because we use the words that are confusing. An investment to a bank is a loan. That's how they make their money. That's their assets, is loaning you money to buy your house, and they think you're going to pay them back. But, Tony, where do they get that money from? Depositors. Depositors can pull their money in a second. You can walk into that bank and take your money out of the bank. Tony, that's what's happening to Silicon Valley Bank. So now they've got this loan. I'm, I'm going to jump in because I want to I want to follow this my way. One of the things that I have been reading in, in the reporting was that one of the things Silicon Valley was doing, it was about the buying of bonds and the bonds. They weren't paying back at the rate they needed to. Was Is that part of the conversation you're having here? It is. That's a separate part of it, though, Tony, and that is that the banks have assets on their – they own bonds on their balance sheet. These are the things that make them look healthy is they own all these bonds, government bonds, treasury bonds. They own these bonds. They own other bonds. And so when someone walks into the bank and says, I want my cash, they say, oh, well, we'll give you your cash. Here you go. But what if they don't have enough cash, Tony? What if they don't have enough cash? They have to sell their assets. They can either sell one of those loans they made. Or they can sell a treasury bond. You know that free money the government's been giving them, Tony? Mm-hmm. They have to sell it. And guess what? Those prices are down right now. And the government hasn't required them to decrease the value on their balance sheet. Does that make sense? It, 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 it sounds horrifically convoluted. They have these bonds. They can sell them if they need to get money back to one of their depositors, but the bond isn't worth what it was because interest rates have gone up? Yes. Tony, what it doesn't sound convoluted. You said it perfectly. Maybe you should be Well, I didn't know how I exactly I don't know how correct. I got it perfectly, but go through that again. So, Tony, when people walk into the bank because they're nervous that the bank is gonna fail and they say, I want my cash. The bank has some cash sitting around, and they'll give them some cash. But if they run out of cash, they've got to sell one of their assets. Tony, they have two basic assets, loans that they've made to various people, and they have treasuries sitting there, treasury bills, treasury bonds that they bought that the government sold them, all this easy money over the last few years. They had to sell those at a loss, Tony, because rates have gone up. And the way it works mathematically is when rates go up, bond values go down. So the rates are down, bond values go up. The rates go up, bond values go down. The bond that they bought when the rates were 3% are, is now worth much less now that the rates are at 5 6 and 7%, and they weren't able to catch up with the needs of their depositors. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, you talk about the regulators not catching this. 
How did the depositors at the bank catch this? Because I have a bank, you have a bank, everybody has has a bank. And now they're asking themselves, what the hell's wrong with my bank? Is my bank about to fold? Do I have to go get my money out on Monday? You know, uh, or, or, or today or tomorrow, whenever it is. How How is it that people notice this bank doesn't have my money? Well, Tony, they found out it by word of mouth. It started back Tuesday and Wednesday. I know people who are in the finance industry who saw that this bank was not doing things properly and the government wasn't regulating them properly. People saw this last week, and there's a massive short sale on the bank. So the sophisticated people knew what was coming, Tony. So the short sale comes from the market. I know I'm interrupting, but yes. I want to make sure we're bit by bit. The short sale came from the market because it's a public company, and people saw this and said, I don't want any part of this at all. And that's when you started seeing the stock slide, and it slid 60% on Thursday before it was shut down on Friday. Yes, you, you said it, that is correct, Tony. So the, the sophisticated investor saw it first, but the, the, the Main Street person who's banking with them they didn't see it till later because they didn't understand the complications and the problems with this company's balance sheet that the regulators didn't monitor and the regulators didn't see it earlier, but people on Wall Street saw it. Okay. So now we get to how it is that the regulator or the regulators didn't see the problem because if you were to look at this politically i already have every uh progressive yahoo in america screaming this is because uh trump uh deregulated the banks and and you got rid of dodd frank and things like that does this have anything to do with trump and what is it that the regulators missed and how does that happen tony it is the opposite it's the regulators who caused the problem and i'll give you a simple example um the number one thing that regulators monitor is this thing called duration, which, again, I said at the beginning, that's where you match your assets with your liabilities. They shouldn't match. Okay. I can give you story after story, personal, firsthand experience of regulators who walk into the bank and say, what's duration? And the banker has to explain it to them, even though it's their number one measurement of risk, Tony. It's the number one way that the regulators measure risk and the regulators don't even know what it is. Now, I'm not talking Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen. I'm talking a person who walks in and knocks on the door of the bank. I have firsthand personal experience of this. And the reason is simple, Tony. I teach these people. I taught them now. I taught them when I was at Johns Hopkins University. The worst of my students become regulators in the banking industry, Tony. The worst. The best ones are going to work for the banks and for the investment banks and for Wall Street. So you have my worst students going in, not even knowing the definition on a test, and they're regulating the bank. Tony, the people at regulating these banks are the incompetent people. They're not the talented people. And I know they're going to call me and yell at me and send me nasty grams, and I'll give them proof. So that's only part one of my conversation with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. The part two comes to the part that I think we're actually paying more attention to. I should argue, actually, it's not that we're paying more attention to it. It's the more emotional part of it. We utilize our rational brain to try and understand what happened to Silicon Valley Bank. The emotional side comes into play when we're told that we have to bail them out. And the federal government has already said it. We're going to bail them out. Well, who's getting bailed out? Should there be a bailout? Are we back to the idea of too big to fail? If you were somebody who was lending the bank money or investing in the bank or putting huge sums of money in the bank, 
aren't you responsible for doing your due diligence? We will get into all that with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, coming up in just a bit. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. So we continue the conversation with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, about the part two. What happened to Silicon Valley Bank with the regulators not paying attention? That's the, the, the logical part. What actually happened here? Who is supposed to be in charge? And then comes the emotional part. Are we supposed to bail these people out? We continue my conversation with Dr. Matt Will. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today continuing this conversation about Silicon Valley Bank and the disaster that has unfolded there with the bank basically being shut down and you have government officials, you have people who are well-entrenched in business uh, um, from, from Home Depot, Mark Cuban, owner of the, of the Dallas Mavericks, and others saying the federal government has to make this bank whole because the contagion possibility is absolutely horrific. When they say uh, contagion, I think it's Bernie Marcus from Home Depot, when Mark Cuban talk about the idea of contagion and con- being contagious, what do they mean? Tony, they're looking for a bailout like in 2008. Contagion means that the same thing can happen to the next bank and that people will run into the bank and they'll say, hey, give me my cash. And then the bank will have to sell their assets at a loss and then they'll go bankrupt again. That's what they're concerned with. On the surface, below the surface, Tony, they're looking for a 2008-style bailout. We should just let this bank fail, let the next bank fail. A few of them will go under. That's fine. You and I will be protected because we have FDIC insurance. And Janet Yellen and Jerome Powell made an announcement Sunday night where they said, we're going to open the bank Monday and everyone's going to get their cash out. But Tony, they didn't say if it's the insured people or if it's the Mark Cubans of the world. The Mark Cubans of the world should not get their money out because the limit is $250,000. And so I want to know if they're going to do a backdoor deal to help the billionaires rather than help Joe on the street who should get his money back because he is guaranteed and insured. So let 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 me go on this tangent with you and then we'll come back. The issue with Silicon Valley Bank is that it was the darling of Silicon Valley. It's the place that people say, well, this is where you go. And there are numerous companies that do business with Silicon Valley Bank. But as Time Magazine reported, 85% of the depositors and, and deposits at Silicon Valley Bank were uninsured. The FDIC, a federal deposit insurance uh, company, does guarantee money up to $250,000 for a depositor. But we're talking about companies that were running millions of dollars almost a day through the company. They were doing payroll and doing their buying and, and, and everything else. These are the people who you're saying there should be absolutely no bailout for, and I, and I agree with you, this is a conversation of a bailout. There should be absolutely no bailout for, and that the and if so, if that's the case, what you're saying is there's no such thing as too big to fail, and these companies are going to suffer huge. Yes, Tony, because they were rolling the dice with someone else's money, and that's what happens when you're a venture capital company inventing some new tech that doesn't go anywhere, you should lose your money. 
That's how it works. But the eventually, but the, I and the taxpayer should not bail them out. But the company itself, XYZ Company, Cats Incorporated, Will Enterprises, they didn't do anything wrong. They put their money in with the bank. Why are they? Why is the conversation that they are, uh, you know what, out of luck because the bank went under based on how you've described it here, sir, that it's the regulators who didn't catch the failings of not having enough cash to handle what it is the bank was doing? Well, Tony, first of all, a, a smart bank, a smart company, I should say, will use the appropriate bank with the appropriate capital. We're not going to go to some bank down the corner that's only been there for five years. And by the way, those 85% of the people in that bank, those are the speculative companies. Don't let them confuse you, Tony, by saying, oh, it's the worker. It's the meeting the payroll. It's the payroll of a company that was rolling the dice with someone else's money. Tony, do you want every person in the world to start a company, hire a bunch of people, and then roll the dice with your money? I, I, look, I, I get the point if you're arguing that somebody was being speculative. But, for example, Etsy vendors are not getting paid because Etsy has a lot of their money wrapped up with Silicon Valley Bank. Is, is, is that vendor at fault? Now, Tony, you're, you're talking about now you switched gears on me. The, the transaction of payments. So when you go into a, a restaurant and you make a payment with your credit card, that transaction, ownership of the money has changed hands, even though it hasn't moved from the bank to the other bank yet. So you're talking about transactional relationships versus assets on deposit. Transactional relationships should continue to occur, and I'm positive or hopeful that the Fed will make sure that all those things happen. And I'm pretty sure that's what the announcement Sunday night uh, meant. So, so if you are uh, an Etsy, I'm using them as just as an example here, and you had $50 million in with the bank because people were ordering this and ordering that and ordering the other. Are you saying that the federal government will make their $50 million whole or should? See, Tony, we're, so, we're still not getting to the details. If you've made a transaction and that money is yours, but it's on deposit with SVP, SVB, then yes, you will get your money. So those Etsy people will. So who is it that you're arguing should not? The, 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 the companies who have their own cash on deposit with the bank. Because those companies didn't do their due diligence and weren't actually demanding the proper information. These should be sophisticated people and sophisticated investors and depositors, and they weren't. Yes, yes. There's, there's banks called custodians. There's banks called prime banks. Those banks are at a different level than this one is, Tony. And if you're not, if you're a you know a hundred million dollar company and you don't have enough knowledge to pick the right bank to bank with, that's your problem. But if tell me, Tony, when so if someone offers you five percent on your checking deposit, is that not too good to be true? And shouldn't you know better if you're a sophisticated company and a CFO? Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I know that question was rhetorical, and that's why I gave you no answer, sir. Now we get to what is is the, the, the granddaddy of the questions. And, and I'm glad we went through that back and forth because you have to make the distinction between these two entities. And you're making the distinction between the person uh, who is doing uh, basic vending 
right? Basic buying and selling and utilizing the bank to move those dollars forward. Uh, and the people who were uh, uh, keeping their money in their bank, parking their money uh, in, in the bank, because as you say, maybe they felt they were getting a deal that was just absolutely terrific, but that deal should be too good to be true. Do you know of any advertised deals that bank was giving or any rates that that bank was paying that would fall into that category of too good to be true? Tony, I don't have the examples in front of me. The, the, the time frame here is too short. What I do know from reading all the information that I've read is that they were taking what's called interest rate risk, which is where we started it, and they weren't neutral. Banks don't make money on spread anymore. They make money on what's called fees. So they, they, when they gave you a loan money or a loan, Tony, they usually, they usually then sell your loan to somebody else, and they take a loan origination fee. But this company was gambling. This bank was gambling, Tony, on spread. And so I don't know what they were offering, but I can tell you that it must have been an inflated rate or they wouldn't be in the situation they're in. So you think that's something we're going to find out about sooner rather than later? Well, I don't know when. And because, again, I'm not sure the regulators are going to be totally transparent. I am concerned that the regulators in this case are going to jump in and they're going to bail the bank out. And they're not going to let the people who invested in this bank take the loss they should take. And you feel that the regulators are going to do that because the regulators are covering for the regulators because if they had been doing their job, it would have been known that they were paying out more than they were bringing in, and there's no way there's a level of sustainability at that moment. Yes, that's exactly correct, Tony. That's exactly correct. And think about it. 85% of their customers are high-wheeling tech companies. Don't you think the bank is of of the exact same ilk? And by the way, I believe that one of the executives in this bank was also an executive at Lehman Brothers who was rolling the dice at Lehman Brothers before they went bankrupt. The CFO of uh, Silicon Valley Bank was with Lehman and a, until a year before Lehman went under, uh, I think, as their CFO. Uh, it's an absolutely crazy bit of coincidence. You could feel the air quotes just punching you in the face. Um, does, does this concern you? that we're about to see this contagion conversation that people will certainly be concerned about their own bank, but that if the regulators have not been on the ball here, as you brought up earlier, the regulators have not been on the ball possibly anywhere or certainly in specific spots. What is it that you think we as the American public could expect to hear about? What kind of stress tests? We heard a lot about this after the financial collapse, 2008, 2009, uh, stress tests for the bank. What could be going on there? And is this an excuse for the federal government to even be more restrictive with banks? And how does that affect us, the end user? Uh, Tony, there's so much there. There's so much there. The last part of your question is easy. Yes, they're going to use this as an excuse to be more intrusive, and they're going to make matters worse. But there's two parts to the answer. Go back to 2008. You have to look at 2008, and you have to look at the fact that this was a minor problem that the government made into a major problem. There would have been a few banks going under. The market would have reacted. It would have fixed everything properly. But then the government stepped in and made this a big problem, and I got a whole hour presentation I give on the details of that. Tony, this is the same thing. I'm very concerned that this contagion is isolated and that it's going to get bigger if the government tries to bail them out and bail out the Mark Cubans of the world. There's no reason Mark Cuban spoke up other than he must have an interest in this. Remember, this is a tech speculator. I bet you dollars of donuts that Mark Cuban is somehow involved 
somewhere along the line in his own risky ventures, and he wants to make sure these people get bailed out, so when his time comes, he gets bailed out. But Tony, your second part of your question was, is this a risk since the bankers are asleep at the switch, the regulators, I should say? The answer is not necessarily. Banks are very responsible. They're very solid. I can give you a laundry list of banks that are good and people shouldn't worry about them because they monitor their own risk. This was the same guy who messed up Lehman Brothers, who was rolling the dice in Silicon Valley, who was not managing his risk like banks are supposed to manage their risk. Tony, he was an investment banker who became a banker. There's a difference between investment banks and banks. Banks are safe. Investment banks are risky. So we put a risky guy who bankrupted a company in charge of a safe bank? Tony, that is, most banks are fine. Most banks are not letting this get out of hand. They don't make what we call spread. They're not gambling the dice on interest rates. So I'm not too concerned about the spreading, but it will spread, and where it does spread to, they should go under. Now, I'll get the full conversation with Dr. Matt Will up on the podcast so you can have it and have access to it, use it for research and just for making sure you understand the full story. And I appreciate him taking the time uh, to be with us. The It's going to be seen as a bailout, right? That's the only way it could possibly be described. This was a bailout. And what the Fed has said is that, yeah, we can't we can't have this. They are going to make up to $25 billion from the Exchange Stabilization Fund as a backstop. Now, the Federal Reserve is saying it's not, doesn't think it's going to be necessary to draw on these funds. So this was, there was a recommendation from the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and then the Federal Reserve, and then Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary. They consulted with President Biden, and they've all proved the actions here. I think the conversation about whether or not the regulators will be regulated, whether or not the regulators will be watched, looked at, asked questions of, are people going to lose their jobs? Man, this is the stuff. When I don't do my job, I get fired. How come when these people don't do their job, nothing happens? It just costs us money. This is not a way to run a country. People have to lose their jobs. If we're going to have regulation at all, the regulation has to work, which means regulators have to do their job. But if Dr. Matt Will is describing in his conversations that the regulators are schmucks, they're the worst of the students, well, then no wonder we don't get anything done. But think of it differently. If we have these regulations and we don't have anybody enforcing the regulations, regulations that are supposed to protect us, it's not worth having the regulations. What we have then is a jobs program, and that's a valueless proposition. I'm not interested. What I'm interested in is results and safety if we claim that's what matters to us. So, yeah, I've got issues with this. If you tell me, do I think the Etsy person should have should be made whole, should get their money? Absolutely, and twice on Sunday. I don't feel that way about people who made bad investments. I don't. I don't bail out bad investments. So you see this. Uh, you see the collapse of Signature Bank, as we've been discussing. We'll have more on that tomorrow. Uh, I forget the other one. Silver Silvergate was another one. I got to do some digging on that. Do we see more by by the end of this day? By the end of the day, we all put our heads to the pillows. Will there be another bank that's like, yep, yep, we can't last, we can't go on. Is this the start of something? Dr. Matt Will doesn't believe so. 
And he made that quite clear. I, at least as I'm talking to you right now, in terms of investigation and reading and research, because this took a lot. I mean, I spent my whole weekend trying to understand this. I don't see anything, but I claim no expertise to it. I'm trying to learn to understand what it is the experts look at so I can be looking at the same thing so I can ask them questions about what it is that I'm seeing. And I'm, and I'm not going to be somebody who's telling you, oh, invest in gold, invest in gold. I don't know. Invest in gold, don't invest in gold. Don't look to me for your financial advice. What are you, out of your mind? But if you want to talk to somebody who's going to figure out what this is all about, what this means for our future, yeah, I'm doing just that. My thanks to Dr. Matt Will. I only hope you enjoyed the conversation. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Before I uh, leave for California, I want to briefly speak about what's happening in Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. Now, you can make the argument all you want that Biden did this, his regulators did this, etc. This is the right approach from the president. This is exactly what people want to hear. They want to hear your money is fine. Now, that doesn't take away from the rest of the conversation that we're having about what bailouts mean and, and, and how this works. People, this is a very, very tribalistic moment, almost animalistic. People want to know that their money is okay. This is personal. When a bank collapses, it's personal. That's why I was saying, you heard me say many times, I'm not in the panic mode. I don't want people to be in a panic mode. I don't think that's helpful. But do I think Biden is right to make this statement? Absolutely, I do. Now, is he the guy who could really make sure the banking system is up to snuff? Well, that's uh, not a buyer there. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.